Welcome to the All Things Overlanding Podcast. My name is Fletch, and I'll be your host. Are you ready for some great overlanding content? Then let's get into it. Hey everybody, Fletch from All Things Overlanding here. On today's extra special episode of the podcast slash vlog, I am doing my first international interview. I'm actually talking to a gentleman named Ferenc Elikas, and he is from Hungary. Um, it was a great interview, tons of fun, and this dude, man, and his girlfriend have been all over the place, like epic, epic trips. Like, he mentioned that he went on a trip that was like 32,000 miles, which is crazy. Um, so you're definitely going to want to check this one out front to back. Like, this was really super fun, and the stuff that this guy's done is amazing. So... Get ready for it. I'm going to put links to all of his channels and everything down below. Definitely go give this guy a follow because he makes some really cool content. Um, his main sort of focus right now is definitely going to be his website, which is overlandsite.com. So you'll definitely want to go there and check stuff out. He's making content for people that are interested in getting into overlanding, people that want to do it full time, how to make money on the road, like tons of great stuff. And we're going to dive more into that in the interviews. So listen to the podcast, watch the video on YouTube, and then go follow Ferenc on Overland site on Instagram and on his website. So here we go. So as you just heard, today we're talking to Ferenc from Overland Sites. So welcome, Ferenc, to the show. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Hi, everyone. Sure. Yeah. So it's 11 a.m. where I am, and it's 5 p.m. where you are, right? That's correct, because I'm in uh, Europe. I'm in Hungary, Budapest, okay. sitting in my garage right now, nice. uh, just next to my spare tires and everything. So yeah, um, yeah it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. That's awesome. Well, welcome. I'm excited to have you. So thanks for reaching out to me. Uh, Ferenc actually reached out to me and said, hey, I saw your stuff and I wanted to be on the show. And I was like, man, that's really cool. Like I've never interviewed someone from Europe. So and your trips are epic. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But man, if you guys don't, you should definitely go. I'll put links below in the description to all of Ferenc's stuff. But he has done some crazy trips awesome trips, things that I can only imagine. So again, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but definitely go down to the description and check out all his channels. Um, so we'll just dive into it. So, you know, obviously the, the topic du jour, the topic of the, the moment is coronavirus. How has that affected your plans or any trips that you were going to take? It, it did affect it and it, does, it's, it, it keeps affecting it because yeah. as you mentioned, we've done some major trips in the mm -hmm. past and recently actually, and we've, we plan to continue those kind of plans for 2020 and, and it's not happening. So right. our plans were to actually, uh, we currently drive, we own two land, land cruisers nice. and one of them would be a GX 470 in the US. So Lexus okay. GX 470, that's a land cruiser 120 here. And I also own an FJ 40. And okay. the reason why I'm mentioning is because these are our vehicles right now, but we plan to actually invest into like a four by four van 
uh, not to necessarily live the van life as such, but to have a four by four van, still visit the same places, but then not having to set up a rooftop tent every night. Yeah. And, and that, that our goal was to go around Europe and just, you know, just see the places that like, we haven't seen. We've been literally everywhere in Europe, but not yeah. as overlanders. And that's what we plan to do this year. We go up to the highest mountains and uh, remote camp areas and just do that this year. It's not happening. So, uh, Do you guys have any end in sight or have you heard anything about Are they going to loosen restrictions at some point? Or? It's, uh, it's not too bad here, actually, okay. in Budapest right now. Uh, there are restrictions in place and you have to wear a mask in public transport and in right. supermarkets and places like that. But, uh, and they, they've been easing these restrictions as well and some very mild travel restrictions there are in place too but not too bad compared to many other places so right. it's getting better a little bit i doubt this i doubt that this is the end it's going to get worse yeah. before it gets I, better you know i who knows who knows we're just waiting for it to end at this point right i just want to get back out there <laughs> yeah. um so you talked about a couple of vehicles you have and you know my kind of my belief based on what you said you have is that you like older vehicles, but you tell me, do you prefer like the value of a newer vehicle that's quote unquote more reliable or do you like older vehicles? What's your preference? I don't think the reliability, reliability comes uh, or there's a, a correlation between reliability and how new the vehicle is. I think it may be the opposite. And the reason is yeah. that if there is an issue with a newer vehicle, you're, you're completely stuck. You, you're, you're totally stuck because of the electronics. Whereas there is an, uh, an older vehicle, you might need a spanner and then, you, I don't know, you do something with it and then you might be able to fix it. Not me personally. I don't know how to fix cars or trucks, but I know some very basic stuff that I can do. Um, but if, if, I, if there's a breakdown, I, I don't know what to do, but I, I know some basic checks. But the point is, uh, I do like little bit older vehicles not necessarily i own an fj40 which is 1978 fj40 uh i think that's a bit over the board that's that's too old to be reliable okay. on the other hand i don't want to have like a 2018 right. something either because of all the electronics i like the mechanical deflocks and the mechanical uh, you know transmissions and all that uh, yeah. without all the gadgets like there's a balance in between i think right yeah no, I totally agree with you. I, well, and like, there is that, there's definitely seems to be that, I feel like there seems to be that thought that newer vehicles are more reliable, right? And sure. And they should be. If it's they really be. new. They yeah. should be, right. Yeah. But I mean, who knows what happens to a brand new, you know, $65,000 forerunner when you go through a water crossing up to your door handles, you know, <laughs> like with yeah, all those electronics, yeah. who knows? Exactly. So. Yeah. yeah so you and i think as far as i've been following your channel i think you you sort of drive a very similar aged vehicle that i do yeah. like mine mine is a 2006 okay yeah uh, mine's an 05 yeah so uh it's, yeah. It's, it's about the same amount of electronics i believe yeah yeah well and, and you know you can kind of what i like is that you can look at the history right like the the gx 470 is a bulletproof motor bulletproof transmission those things are just amazing and it's sort of the same with the four liter and the five speed in the in the uh the xterras is if you can look back at those vehicles and see their history and see their reliability like then you're to your point it's you're not getting a less reliable vehicle you're probably getting a more reliable i mean i put forty thousand miles on mine in the last four years and have 133,000 it's still I go out and it starts up every time and oh, I yeah. stock yeah. everything like I replaced brakes and some suspension parts and that's about it so 
might have frozen. Variants. Are you there? Variants. Uh, yeah, I'm oh, here. You're back. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. I'm back. back. Sorry about okay. that. I think it just slowed. The, the internet slowed now. I think that's all. So uh, what I was saying is that uh, we had some major issues during our trips mm -hmm. um, with our Toyota, but is nothing that couldn't be fixed and nothing that um, it was actually stopping us from continuing. It was. It was. I, I can get into more details later, but it, it was issues that had to be fixed for sure but it didn't stop us from progressing our trips and um something that i wanted to say and sorry you might need to edit this out but what, what did you just mention about your kit oh yeah so um my vehicle got two hundred thousand uh miles on it now so it's three hundred sixty thousand kilometers right now um and it just i use it every day i, I drive it every day in the city outside the city it's fantastic, I think, and it's it's yeah. not a new vehicle. It's I've, I, as you said, all my drivetrains are stock, completely stock. I've got a three-liter diesel engine, an automatic transmission, and all I replaced was the suspension and obviously some yeah. some stuff that to improve, like snorkel and the bash plates and, yeah. and things like that, roof rack and stuff like that. But I didn't touch the drivetrain at all. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. And, and you know, I mean, it's. I'm obviously biased, right? Like I, I like Japanese vehicles. I love Nissans. I, mainly I just like Nissans because they're cheaper and I feel like they're just about as reliable as a Toyota or a, or a Honda. Maybe it's underrated. But I mean, it could I be underrated. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like they're way underrated. Like, and I've said this before, but I was looking at like 99 through 02 Forerunners with about 150 to 200,000 miles on those. And then they wanted 10 to $12,000 four years ago for those. And in the U.S. here, and I found my 05 Xterra, so you know, three to six years newer, with ninety-four thousand miles for seven thousand dollars. Right. So it was like, yeah, it's a no-brainer, right? So, but anyway, they're all awesome, right? Like there are still tons of Toyotas so. with two hundred plus just running. So the the good the, the the very good thing with driving a Toyota is that anywhere you drive in the on the planet, you will find a Toyota dealership or right. a garage that that knows how to fix Toyotas, and you yep. will find parts and I've, I've done a i've done a big trip through europe and asia with a mitsubishi pickup truck mm -hmm. before yeah. and we got stuck on the afghan border in tajikistan and we had to literally had to abandon the vehicle because we couldn't oh. find parts the, the the alternator died we literally didn't have, we had a time constraint so we had mm -hmm. to go we had yeah. to we couldn't find we couldn't we couldn't wait four weeks for to for an alternator to be replaced <laughs> So we just had to, we had to leave the car there. Oh my God. That's right there. Yeah, yeah, that's so. a crazy story. That's and that's, a, that's, that's nearly impossible with a Toyota because every, literally every village will have a, a mechanic who knows how to fix a Toyota. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and in your situation, you know, here in, Indi or here in Indiana, here in the United States, like we have a pretty complex dealer network and there, you can't get too far away, but I imagine yeah. over there, there's, it's a little different. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, in Europe, you don't have any issues with driving anything. But if yeah. you get, if you go to Asia and you get to the really remote places, 
Yeah. Then you really need to drive something that uh, you can find parts for, or at least you find somebody to, even if you carry all the parts, you need somebody, unless you're a mechanic, you need to find somebody to put it in for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have a like favorite season or time of the year that you like to go? Are you a cold weather or warm weather camper? What's your preference? Uh, I'm probably, probably in between, but if I really had to choose probably warm weather, warm okay. weather, uh, I really don't like the cold. And that's a, again, another reason why we're getting a van in the future. We haven't got mm-hmm. it yet. Uh, because it's just when as, as much fun as it is to, to live out of a rooftop tent and your vehicle mm-hmm. and you have your little kit around it and, all your gear and stuff um mm. you do everything outside and if the weather is not perfect your your comfort is not the best but yeah. it's not as adventurous i i get that as well i really like the the you know the tree house type feeling of a <laughs> rooftop tent yeah but but and it's got the advantages and, and you're still more flexi- flexible because your vehicle is smaller there's a lot of advantages to to have a tent and a rooftop tent in general as opposed to having a van but it comes with uh, with the protection and the you know the, the just the yeah. the cozy little tiny house <laughs> feeling that you can have with a van. Yeah, well, yeah, and I mean that kind of to me it seems to be dependent on your lifestyle, right? Like if you are a full time adventurer, or like taking super long trips, then yeah, absolutely, comfort would be number one. Like I recently finished building a do it yourself rooftop tent for my Xterra, but literally the only reason was because my my longest trip here probably is a week if i'm really lucky yeah that's perfect for a root of tent yeah one or two weeks perfect for root of tent longer than that it's a it's a chore every day chores to do it yeah yeah so i love i love that idea i i I did a video long long ago like long ago i started doing videos like nine or ten months ago but like at the very beginning i like got really into van life stuff (laughs) and i was just like this is so cool (laughs) um but I just think there's a lot of similarities there, right? It just, it really, it just There is, and, 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 you know, we're trying to find something in between where we have a van, but it needs to be a four-by-four van. We right. need to have the four-wheel drive capability because all those places, you can get to a lot of places with a two-wheel drive vehicle. Sure. For sure, you can. 95% of the places you can get a two-wheel drive. But yeah. the best places, you need four-wheel drive. Right. And ground clearance, probably more important than four-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so how did you get, how'd you guys get started in overlanding? Like what, how'd you even figure out what it was and start doing it? <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, I like, I've got two passions, which is one is travel. The other one is cars. And this is basically combining the two. Right. But um, I also, I, I, since I was a kid, I liked camping as well. We used to camp with my family when I was a kid. And the, in 2014, we, with a couple of friends of mine, we entered this 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 challenge called the Mongol Mongolia Charity Rally. There's two types, but the two types there's Mongol Rally and Mongolia Charity Rally. So the Mongol Rally is when you buy a one thousand dollar car and you try to drive it from London to Mongolia oh, through any means, like really small, tiny engine cars. And yeah. we 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 haven't done this. We've done the other one where you buy a proper pickup truck and four by four and you drive it to Mongolia, but then you donate the truck to a charity in Mongolia. That's cool. And we failed to reach Mongolia because it (laughs) broke down in in Tajikistan. And this is the story that I just mentioned a few (laughs) minutes ago. So that was the first trip that I realized that actually, although I've done big road trips before, but you know, it's not like overlanding when you you live out of your car all the time and you're not staying in hotels, you, you use your camp equipment 
right. and you're staying in tents and, and campfire every night. Uh, so I've done road trips before, a lot of them and really long ones as well, including the US. But this was the first major trip when I realized actually there's this planet that you can drive around. You don't really need to, you're not confined within the country's borders or even yeah. just, you know, European borders or whatever. You can just drive across the whole continent through the Russian steppe or, or the Tajiki mountains and the Pamir highway and places like that. And it's absolutely brilliant. And after that, I, once, once I finished, that was a five, I think it was five weeks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cause we also, we, we, then we ended up hiring a land cruiser in Mongolia and we drove around the country a little bit with nice. my friends. And then I realized actually, this is fantastic. I, this <laughs> is what I, this is something I wanted to do. And and then I had an, a football accident, like actually soccer accident, oh, no. where I snapped my, uh, my ACL. So oh. I was lying in bed for like, I don't know, four or five weeks after my operation. And I just stumbled upon a few overlanding YouTube channels. And it's, it, that's when it started to go big. Like that was like four or five years ago. And, yeah. and that's when I really, really got into it. And uh, I believe by that time, I bought my vehicle with a thought in mind that at some point I'm going to use this truck to drive around the planet yeah. in, in some form. And, uh, and, and, and this is how, so I, the more I read about it, the more I watched videos about this, the more interested I got. And I had some experience already. And I thought, yeah. okay, we need to do this. And, and started buying the gear gradually. And, and then my, uh, there was nothing else that I talked about when I met my girlfriend, Evelyn, that we're traveling. We, we do major trips together now. But when we met, that, apparently that was the only thing that I was talking about, the, my, <laughs> Mongolia, my, Mongo, my, my attempt to drive to Mongolia. So yeah. uh, ever since, she, she didn't have a chance not to do this. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's, it's funny because I think we're on like literally the same timeline because it was about just over four years ago, like four and a half years ago where I was coming off a lease on a vehicle and I was like, oh, I want to get back into a Nissan, but it needs to be practical or my wife's going to kill me. Like I can't buy a sports car. <laughs> and I was like, how about an Xterra? And I was like, I'll off-road it. And I would go to YouTube and I start searching for like Xterra off-road and I start seeing overlanding videos and I'm like, oh, this is so much cooler than just going and climbing over rocks. Like I want to go somewhere and take a trip and see things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so, it, Actually, that's something I wanted to mention that it's, I'm not into hardcore off-roading i'm more like i I like to go places and then enjoy enjoy the way to get there right yeah i i come from like a background of i had a jeep before and i off-roaded it so like when i when i first bought the exterior that was kind of my thought was i was going to go to off-road parks and like overcome obstacles with it until i started to learn about overlanding and then i was like oh i don't want to just destroy my vehicle like but i still do like to take like super challenging trails if i can with like rocks and water crossings and like I do like oh, I love, more challenges. I, I love water crossing as well. Yeah. As well. yeah. And I, I do like the challenge and I do like the, the, right. the difficult sections as well, but it's sure. not my goal. That's right. That's my, yeah. It's just a, an added benefit as far as I'm concerned, but still getting yeah. to see cool stuff is awesome. So very cool. So what was the first four by four vehicle you ever owned or like overlanding? I guess, was that the, the GX? So uh, it, it would have been that, Mitsubishi that we okay we, oh, yeah, we yeah. bought it we bought it uh together with my friends so three of us uh, okay. uh and they're friends from London but they are new, uh, from New Zealand and mm-hmm. I guess that would have been the first four by four vehicle yeah. I owned one third of it <laughs> and, uh, and ever since then I thought 
when I chose my truck, I actually wanted to have a Land Cruiser. I, everything else I looked at, I was like, no, if I buy this, I'm going to be thinking about the Land Cruiser. I, I have to buy the Land Cruiser. So I, I bought it. And it, it would be called the Prado everywhere else in the world, the yeah. GX470 in the, in the US. But mm-hmm. here in, in Europe, it's called uh, the Land Cruiser 120. And yeah. it was the most sort of available, most afford, affordable, uh, the, 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 the one that I, know, I knew that I could upgrade easily yeah. and, and, and things like that. So there was a lot of factors why I chose this. But I guess this is the first one, and I doubt I'm going to ever sell it. It's, it's, it doesn't mean that it's my last one, but right. first of all, it's just so many memories, and it's just such a reliable mm-hmm. truck, and it's, it's so versatile. I can use it every day. Yeah. And nobody's going to pay the right amount of money for me to, to sell it. So. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so tell us about your mods. So you mentioned that you started buying gear and stuff. Like what have you done to the truck? Okay. Um, so I knew from my previous experience that what I wanted was uh, a snorkel for sure, for cleaner mm-hmm. air into the engine. Because I, I knew our rough route along the way when we drove from Budapest to Singapore or when we drove to Africa, I knew that we bought a lot of dust. There would be water crossings. I need a snorkel. So snorkel, bash plates. I needed a bash plate that saved the truck several times, saved the trip several times, a bash plate uh, that covers the engine and the part of the transmission as well, but not the, not the diff lock in the back. And, or at least not the differential. I don't have a diff lock in the back, but the differential. And, these are, I think, one of the two most important ones. Obviously, all-terrain tires I've got. I've got an expedition-ready roof rack from Frontrunner. I used to have a rooftop tent. I sold it, unfortunately. Uh, I'm looking yeah. into getting an, another one. Um, nice. I've got a very powerful laser lamps LED lights on the front. Very, very powerful. Surprisingly powerful. Like <laughs> I, was, I was shocked how... The, the the factory headlights don't actually matter. I, I could turn them off in a in a completely open field, let's say in Mongolia, where there's no lights whatsoever and <laughs> there's no reference points, you know, there is no side of the road, there's no nothing, just like a whole plane. And of course I've got the, the gear inside. So with my dad who's who's a bit of a handyman, we built a drawer system and a and a fridge nice. slide together from plywood. And uh, that that's really good. That's like uh, it's covered with a nice um um, like uh, this cloth type material. I, I don't really nice. know what, what it is, but it's really, really nice. Uh, a couple of drawers and a, and a free slide. And it used to be a long one all the way up to the front seats. Now it's just hard. Now we put the seats back, but on our trips, it was long enough for us to sleep inside, which was uh-huh. brilliant because cool. sometimes in bad weather, or if we stopped in a place where we couldn't open a rooftop tent, like in a village or something, then right. we slept inside. It wasn't comfortable, but it was sufficient for one night right. or two nights. Right. <laughs> so I've got that. I've got a 12-volt fridge, angle fridge. Nice. I love that thing. Um, and, and the recovery gears. Like, uh, I don't have a winch right now, okay. but uh, I've got all the you know, snatch traps and uh, recovery mats and uh, Max Trax type. It's yeah. not Max Trax. It's something else, but, um, but it's the same thing, really. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, um, a couple of jerry, jerry cans and stuff, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for those kind of trips, like that's – I have a couple of jerry cans too, and I think I've taken them on one trip ever. <laughs> like, because in the U.S. Yeah. it's just not quite 
the same thing, right? Like it's not, you're not really in the middle of nowhere for very long anywhere. Over here. Yeah. Uh, so very cool. Um, so let's talk about what's the, like the coolest thing or the, the gnarliest obstacle that you've had to overcome on a trip. So going back to that technical driving side, right? What's the, the craziest? I mean, it could be, I guess the, the Mitsubishi breaking down, but is there anything? Uh, else? Yeah, there, there was a few mishaps on that trip. Um, because this was our first attempt. None of us were experienced uh, on that trip. Uh, not my mates, sure. not me. And uh, breaking down with that truck, it wasn't the f- when we broke down completely and for good. It wasn't the first time. So we had to. We were we were driving up. It was around eleven o'clock in the evening at night. Uh, driving up on this little track, literally ten twenty miles from the Afghanistan border in Tajikistan. We were not going to go to Afghanistan. We just, our route was taking us through there and then we were going to drive the Pamir Highway, which is like the highest, uh, one of, not, not the highest, but one of the highest drivable roads on, on, on earth. And it's just that the scenery is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, and we broke down a few times before that. And because it was, a, we bought the, the truck on eBay without seeing okay. it, just, just bought it. That's scary. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and basically, we, we went past the car. It was 11 o'clock at night in these areas where we didn't really know how safe it was. And this guy start, tried to stop us. And it was a, a small dirt road. It was a trail, really. Yeah. The car, guy was trying to stop us. And he, we, we, we could see that his car had some issues. Okay. Uh, and I think flat tire or something like that. But because we were scared, inexperienced, I don't know how to say it, but, but plainly scared, I guess. Yeah. We didn't stop. We like, no. We're not stopping. We might be able to help this guy, but who knows? We, we, we were in the middle of right. no man's land. Like, we're not stopping. Yeah. And about, in about a minute later, not more than that, we broke down. Like, oh, our geez. alternator. The, <laughs> and this guy that we didn't help ended up, help, ended up helping us. Oh, wow. Because he, he then rolled his car down the hill into the village because uh, <laughs> that was this really long time. And, and took his mates back up and fixed our truck. And next day we were on the road. Wow. And, uh, and <laughs> only for one more day because then the, the alternative failed completely. Oh, my gosh. But that was, uh, that, that was a, okay. <laughs> a, a bit That's of a crazy. story. But it was another, like, we've done a few on this Mongolian trip now. I mean, when we drove from Budapest to Singapore, so we went through Mongolia and Something to know about Mongolia is there's a lot of rivers, but there isn't many bridges. So you have to wade through rivers, and, which is a lot of fun, but sometimes they are quite high, like right. up to the windscreen, up to the wow. door handles, literally. And, and it's a lot of fun, but if you do it too many times and your truck is not prepared, yeah. you're going to get <clears throat> issues like we had, um, excuse me, uh, automatic transmission. And one of the connections that was... Um, somehow it connected to the transmission and it was actually controlling the the gear changes and stuff so it was something to do with the computer controlling the transmission oh, no. corroded one of the connections corroded and our transmission stopped working only it was working only until third gear and not fi- fourth oh, or fifth no. <laughs> uh, so we had to get it fixed but we were a little bit we didn't know when it's going to give up completely you know when right. it's going to stop completely and on top of that, we had problems with the starter motor because of all the, the mud and uh, the, the water and everything else as well on top of that. Yeah. And we were in the Gobi Desert, 
with a two with two other vehicles. Yeah. And because our transmission is automatic, you can't jump start it, right? right. You you can't you you either start it with a motor or not. You did right. start a motor or or it's a it's a trailer uh, yeah. situation. <laughs> and there isn't many trailers in the Gobi Desert, so yeah, we had to. So we, we managed to start the truck in one morning after struggling for like 20 minutes, but we start, managed to start, start it. And then we had to sort of uh, abandon our little group and drive to the next town, which was 200 kilometers, 120 miles away. Wow. Took, us, took us 18 hours to get there because of, all the, because of the terrain without yeah. stopping the engine. That was, so I was just driving constantly. And we shared, yeah. had to drive with Evelyn. We, we shared 50-50. Yeah. And, and this time I was only driving and I was so tired after, I don't know, 14 hours of drive right. off-road, all of it off-road, 100% off-road, that yeah. um, through a mountain, through rocky stuff, it was really, really difficult. I got really tired and there was these two tracks that I was following. And following. You can, funnily enough, off-road in Mongolia, you can follow Google Maps because the trails are on oh. Google Maps. Interesting. And sometimes you lose reception, like phone, cell phone reception, but otherwise... It's right. working fine. But the two tracks for the tires yeah. ended up being too deep for my ground clearance. So the, the truck beached. And I would have noticed wow. that in daylight or if I wasn't a tire or something like that, but I was yeah. tired. It was at night. Sure. And we literally just beached. All four tires were in the air. And <laughs> it took me, it took, so we were alone. It took me four hours to dig all this soil from beneath the, the truck. Jeez. And uh, it was raining. It was cold. We were alone. Uh, it was a, uh, it was an adventure. And then, and then we got to yeah. this town the next morning, and the starter motor was fixed in half an hour. It just needed to be cleaned. Oh wow! Uh, but yeah, that, that was good. good. And then, yeah. I don't know. Like, I have, I have countless stories from <laughs> these trips. But uh, like two jerrycans weren't enough in Mauritania in the Sahara Desert. We drove through the Sahara Desert. And we used uh, a full tank plus two jerry cans plus someone else's jerry can who helped us. Uh, and our truck is a diesel, so it's not like a V8, you know. And yeah. uh, so it should be should be um, efficient, but not in the Sahara Desert. It's not right. That's crazy. Yeah, and we were we were escorted by the army in Mauritania because of all the some parts of the country is not even controlled by the government, so it, it it's supposed to be dangerous. So there was this big, big group of, uh, it was a rally, like an amateur rally. We were not racing. So it's not, it's not, sure. it's not a race. You have to right. do the, the stages. Right. Um, and, and it's a group of, I think, 100 trucks. So wow. it could be a good, good target for terrorists or whoever wants to get sure. some, uh, some valuables, and some, their hands on some valuables. And okay. so we were escorted by the army. And when we camped, 100 cars together, uh, yeah. We were surrounded by the Mauritanian army on big wow. Toyota trucks and machine guns and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, like, mine is like a, a 30 second water crossing that I did in West Virginia. <laughs> it's not quite, the same. <laughs> not quite the same in the US. That's awesome. But also, also, border crossings can, can provide a lot of funny stories as well. Like, yeah. Thailand um, has got some rules that basically you need to have. Sp- special permissions you need to have a guide and all these all these red tape arranged before you go yeah. uh, before you enter the country with your own vehicle obviously it's very easy to enter thailand but if you drive your own vehicle it's not okay. and took us and so what people do is that 
because these are new rules, some border patrol guys don't know the rules. Not all of them know the rules. Huh. Yeah. So if you fail to enter because they, they, somebody, you're quite unlucky and somebody actually knows the rules where you enter and they turn you back into Laos, you just drive to the next border crossing and then there may be somebody there who doesn't know the rules. And that's what we've done four times. Really? And then eventually we could enter Thailand, yeah. That's crazy. With, with, with the help of a friend as well. But yeah, that's basically yeah. that's what we've done. So uh, driving up and down in Laos just to enter Thailand, that was a, that was a bit of a, a task to do. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, I've, I've never done any border crossings, but I've watched, you know, Expedition Overland and those guys when they go and they do them. And that's exactly what they say, right? It's, it's a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get, if it's going to be easy or hard or you're going to be detained yeah. or that's crazy. <laughs> Very cool. Um, any places that you want to go that you haven't been able to go yet? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of places <laughs> I want to go. And, and there's two things. Uh, I've, I've been to quite a few countries. I've been to 77 countries by now. Wow. Uh, but I've had, I've been to a lot of places where I want to go back as an overlander, you know, so with yeah. driving my own truck. So it's a totally right. different experience. It's a completely different kind of trip. I've been backpacking around South America. I've been, I've been living in New Hampshire, actually, in the U.S., and I've, oh, wow. I've, I've, I've traveled around the East Coast in the U.S., but what I actually want to do is the Pan American from, from, from Alaska to Ushuaia in Argentina, so the Pan American wow. Highway. And cool. uh, so now that you mentioned Expedition Overland, so they've <laughs> done it in three stages. Right. Uh, but once we get across the ocean, I'm probably going to do it in one go. Uh, but wow. uh, but that's, that, again, that's in the future sometime, but hopefully it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Also... London to Cape Town, I'll definitely want to do that at some point. That's cool. Yeah. But I think doing doing Africa is more important, more, uh, more difficult than doing South America or North America, obviously. Yeah. I think, I think it's more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it would be. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, do you have like a favorite piece? If you had to pick one piece of like overlanding or off-road gear that you take with you and you have to have on every trip, what would you say your favorite piece of gear is? Uh, depends on whether it's a small or big piece. The small one actually I've got with me. That's just a knife, but I, I love that yeah. thing. It's actually right here. It's not a, I'm not sponsored by them, but I just love this thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bear Grylls knife is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, like larger stuff, I do love my laser lamps. Uh, yeah. LED light. It's just such a useful piece of kit. And the fridge. The fridge is yeah. immense. That's just such a cool piece of yeah. kit. Yeah, that's. I don't have a fridge yet. I like for me, it's my drawer system. It's like it's the custom yeah, stuff, yeah. right? Like I could buy and also, a high limit. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah, because I built that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. I also, I built it. You know, the I don't know how the door on your truck is, but mine opens like an actual door like okay, this yeah. on the side. And yep. I've got a fold-down table, also DIY, but my dad. That's sweet. Uh, so so that, that's, that's a very useful stuff as well. But the drawer system yeah. that you mentioned, uh, if I can call that the piece of kit, then yeah, yeah, yeah that's like, because yeah. I made that. That's, that's special, you know? That's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've always felt like, like I, I never until recently, I didn't have anything. I was just like into buying stuff. And so I would have said like, oh, it's my, you know, whatever, my high lift or something, right? But I think fridge is up there too. I don't have one yet because I don't have a deep cycle battery and I just got a new battery like a year ago. So I'm like, I don't really want to go buy another new battery. 
Um, yeah, but you don't really need you don't you don't need one. Like uh, if you just yeah. connect it to the to the twelve volt and power it when you are driving, then yeah. it keeps for one night. It's fine, even two nights. That's it's fine true. without any any power. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, kind of what I've been thinking about is getting one of those battery packs, like a Jackery or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Because those will run it too, from what I understand. So I've got one of these. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, this uh, this thing here. Uh huh. Uh, it's an, it's called the arc pack. Okay. I don't know if you see it. Yeah, it's basically it. it's, it's supposed to be used for boats. Oh, that was the original purpose, but they okay. keep selling it on overland shows in Europe and yeah. you, you do need to buy a battery to put inside this box, but it's a management system. It manages the power of that battery mm-hmm. by, uh, getting it charged during the day when you drive. And then yeah. without disconnecting anything, it, it provides power to whatever you connect to. So my fridge was powered by that. Yeah. But it doesn't draw the battery that starts your engine at all. That's perfect. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a nice piece of kit. And the, the reason why I bought this one, because I didn't need to rewire anything in the truck. That's another thing that I didn't want to touch. Yeah. Like the drivetrain and the electronics, I left it alone. That's all Toyota. That's all original factory yeah. uh, state. And, and without rewiring and then eventually end up in a situation where I don't know which wire is not connected so that I, I can't sound the truck. This is solving that problem because you just literally, it's like a suitcase. You put it yeah. in and then take it out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I love yeah. that idea. I love that. I, I guess that the, like a Jackery or something would work similarly because you can charge it off 12 volt. So you could plug it into the truck and then you could have things plugged into that. You could work yep. it that way. It's pretty expensive yep. though. Those things are too, so... Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, I find all gear expensive, isn't it? Like, it's true. If you yeah. want. Anytime you yeah. have to spend money, it's it's an expense, right? <laughs> yeah. But what I'm trying to do is actually buy stuff that I keep for years. So yeah. um, cry once. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I've always been pretty cheap, to be honest. But the more that I, the longer that I go into this, the more I'm like, oh, I wish I haven't had like four different of this thing. I wish I just bought one once and, and had a good one. So <laughs> Starting yeah. to learn those lessons. <laughs> yeah. So, so cool. So sort of changing gears here. Let's talk a little bit about overlandsite.com. So your website, okay. your Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. But, you know, what yeah. got you started uh, making your channels and like which came first? So okay. Um, well, we've done, a, we've done a trip to Africa uh, in early 2018 when we, we, we took part in this rally that I mentioned earlier. Sure. And and I thought actually because I was taking notes like what's going on what's happening, uh, and and also before that like a couple of months before that I had to I had the the major upgrade done on my truck so the lifted the suspension and I had to choose the gear like what kind of suspension and what kind of coil springs to put in to replace the air what kind of roof rack to buy snorkel all that and and also yeah. went to a couple of really big um, overland shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Europe, so the, the the largest one in the world actually is, is in Germany. It's called the Abenteuer und Arad, which is like I think it's um, my, ba- my my German is very bad, but I think it's adventure and and uh, four wheel drive or something like that. That's okay. the show, cool. and it's larger than Overland Expo West or East. It's 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 yeah. larger than those two combined. It's really wow. big, and so many cool stuff. And the camp area is absolutely amazing. Like you see all these trucks that went around the world with all the little flags on the truck, the side of the trucks. That's cool. And, and it just got me interested so badly. And because I've done a little bit of an upgrade on my truck and then we went to Africa, I'm like, 
actually it's it's actually really really cool subject to actually write about this and then yeah. blog about this and then maybe if i have a gear or if i know something if i know about something and i know that actually this brand is better than that brand because i do my research and stuff why mm -hmm. don't i create a website around this uh, based on my experience and the to answer your question the african trip kicked it off in okay. a way and cool. then and then i got into it and i'm like it got some traction as well. Uh, Ninety-five percent of the readers or visitors of the website are actually from the U.S. Interesting. And uh, yeah, for some reason, <laughs> and uh, and it got some traction, and I just uh, kept working on it. And and also, what I realized is that the Instagram account on my level blew up. Uh, blew up. It's not. It hasn't got fifty thousand followers, but it's got I don't know ten, eleven thousand. And yeah. it started with started with one follower. So <laughs> I thought, okay, actually, people are interested in this stuff, and um, yeah. So I just kept doing it, and I love the subject. So yeah, um, yeah, the African okay. trip to answer your question. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it is funny. I think you're right, though. The, I think that it's because we're like years behind you guys, right? Like, I think you guys have been doing overlanding for years. And I mean, you know, even back in like the, what was it? The Land Rover, like camel trophy days, like all that stuff was awesome, but we just, it never even really like scratched the surface over here. And now it's funny. I, I did. One now video. it's massive. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I did, I did one video a while ago where I pulled up Google trends and I searched for the word overlanding. Yeah, it's like the beginning awesome. in like '04 was when they started tracking that stuff, and it just goes like this. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, but I, I mean, I don't think it's not like people in the U.S. haven't done it. It just, just this word was missing. Uh, like right. it was called camping with the, your jeep. It's <laughs> right. like, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not that people haven't been doing it. Right. Uh, it's just uh, maybe not with a purpose. Like uh, they didn't say I'm going overlanding, but right. I don't know. Uh, I think part of overlanding should also be that you the length of the trip should be in the definition i think one thing yeah. whether it's time or distance it doesn't matter but right. it needs to be I, I i don't think a weekend trip is overlanding that's my right. point yeah but, that's uh, has been a heated debate on like all of my yeah, videos. Yeah. i've done several videos about like what is real overlanding and it just blows up like everybody is like they have very yeah. strong opinions about it but it's, i agree like most it's of my trips. Way. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, go on. Go on. No, I was just going to say most of my trips because I'm in Indiana and I have kids, right? So and I work a full-time job. So most of my trips, if I'm really lucky, are like a Friday to Sunday, like a two-day trip. But I just call those camping. <laughs> like I'm just going camping. Yeah, camping. But, but if you throw in some off-roading or throw in some uh, off-the-grid camping, that's like, yeah. that's that's already a good start. Yeah. And But it's funny yeah. that... Um, I, on on our facebook page we were on a, on our way from budapest to singapore which is like a i don't know like a 32000 mile trip wow and through through countries that i've never been never visited before yeah. we went through chechnya which had the 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 the, the bloodiest war in the 90s in yeah. the world and, and it just some quite sketchy places as well and difficult areas too and i posted this video when we were approaching in Georgia, so the country Georgia, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, we were driving towards Russia and, and I just took a five second video driving on the road to so Tarmac Road in right. the mountains coming close to the border and I put a hashtag overlanding and then I yeah. guess somebody picked up, not, not necessarily the, the, a follower of my page, but somebody picked up the hashtag 
and just sent it to a friend or shared it to a friend saying, ha ha, this guy thinks this is over like me. And I was like, and I, com- and I commented back, I'm like, we are driving a 32,000 mile trip through <laughs> thick and thin. Like, right. I, do, I do think this is overlanding. Like, if you drive yeah. tomorrow, because you have two days off, you're driving to the Rockies and you climb a vertical wall. Yeah. I don't think that's overlanding. This is more overlanding. But yeah. anyway, so yeah, I mean, this debate can go on forever. <laughs> but there's, there's one uh, thing that you just mentioned that you, you have a full-time job and, um, mm-hmm. and obviously that limits your ability to, to travel a bit longer. But yeah. since you're working from home and you're in internet marketing, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. you, you could technically do that on the road. I know. Yeah. I've, believe me, I've, so like my boss is, is super cool. And, uh, and he's, uh, I've told him like, sometimes like we had when I first started, so I just first started at this company, maybe like four months ago. And literally before I was officially started, I said, he said, can we have a meeting on Friday or something? I was like, yeah, but I'm going to be in Hoosier National Forest. I'm going to be camping for the weekend. And he was like, oh, well, we can reschedule. I said, no, I, the, I know the spot I'm going to, I have internet, enough internet that I could like you know, hook my phone up to my computer and make it work. So we literally, it was him in his house and then me in the woods with trees behind me. And we had a conference call basically like right before I started my job. So I definitely could do it. Like that's, I, I'm planning this year to take more uh, trips to like the expos and things like that, which are 10 to 15 hours away from me. So like those will be overlanding, like there'll be five or six day trips at least. So I'm living with a car and I'm going to camp every night and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it the right way, but that's, um, you can do it. You know, the, the, as much as I like reading and researching and writing about gear and, right. you know, as like, I guess a lot of people, these are like toys, isn't it? It's like tools <laughs> and, and gear and stuff. But so that's one area that I, I wanted to sort of cover on the website. But what I'm getting into now is actually this. How can you overland for longer and then still keep making money, keep yeah. your job, build a business on the road? Because now technically it's possible because we can talk now uh, from the other right. side of the world in the same way you can work as well. And this is a yeah. subject that I'm going to cover uh, in the next probably six months to yeah. try to try to research it a bit more and probably write about this stuff. Yeah, I read that blog, the one where how to make money on the road. I read that. Yeah, yeah. I want to I I <laughs> explore this subject a little bit deeper. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, right now we're all trapped in our houses anyway. So who's to know? As long as you get your work done, right? Like... I could drive for three hours and then work exactly. for eight hours on the side of the road. And, you know, if there is only one benefit that this uh, COVID situation is doing is, is definitely the remote working more. It's going to be more accepted. It's going to be more right. in the mainstream. It's not going to be weird anymore. Are you working in your pajamas at home? Right. In the middle of the woods. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so let me see. What's my next question? Um, so, you know, like you mentioned, you've made a few videos now and there are a lot of work and there's a lot of editing that goes into it, but do you have like a favorite video? What's your favorite one that you've ever made? <laughs> okay. A favorite video. I don't think I've seen my favorite video yet because I know that, uh, um, I have like, if are you asking about my own stuff? Right? Yours that you've made. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> ones that have already been produced, there's like a one hour video on my YouTube channel that is about the this uh, Budapest Bamako rally. It's called, it's really just an overland trip with other people, to be honest, like a big group of people uh, through, through really, really awesome terrain and awesome places like Morocco and Mauritania and Senegal and the Savannah, the the Savannah in in Senegal, Sahara desert and Rocky 
Atlas Mountains. It's it's yeah. a really I, I I really love that movie. That yeah. it, I'm biased, of course, but right. I think it's it's good. The the actual filmmaking techniques and and camera handling is not <laughs> it's, it's nowhere near perfect. But sure. uh, we use that trip to practice with the camera and take different angles and yeah. try to work out techniques and stuff to be able to be better on our big trip when we drove to uh, from Budapest to Singapore. And that's why I'm, I'm saying my favorite video mm-hmm. is yet to be edited. Okay. So, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, well, that's, yeah. I feel like as content creators, right, it's, you can be very critical of yourself, but then I feel like there are some videos that I watch and I just cringe a little bit, but then there are some that I watch and I'm like, wow, I really like did, I worked really hard on that and I actually am really happy with the result. Right. Like, and do you, and, and, you know, unless you, put yourself out there and talk into the camera and, and create those cringeworthy moments, you're not going to get better. You have to get through that and then you're going to get better. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Yeah. It's, it's, I tell people all the time, like, do not go back and watch my early videos. (laughs) The Lighting was really bad. The camera angle was really bad. Like everything was terrible. It's mostly just like the first, like 20 videos that I made probably were just my camera with me holding it while I'm driving off road. Like no, but you know this. This what makes it more real. I think it's not. It's not the the professional camera right. angles and the professional equipment with the right light. It's just because yeah. what you showing shows that anybody can actually go out, buy a truck, and then yeah. enjoy enjoy this kind of hobby because yeah. it's a hobby. Eventually, it's a hobby. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, that's kind of when I started, I wanted to be Expedition Overland, right? Like I wanted, I was like, man, I would love to have like four trucks and like one of them is a camera truck and I've got people doing all the filming for me. And then in the last, so again, I've been doing it for about 10 months, but in the last four or five months, I've realized that's not my niche at all, right? Like that's, you're right. There's different niches for different types of folks, but I think more people are into exactly what you were talking about, right? Like trying to find a way to do it more, but realistically doing weekend trips or doing four or five day trips a couple times a year. Um, so that's kind of more what I'm going towards now is similar to you, right? Where it's more like, how can I help real people do real overlanding trips? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and you know, the, the key to, I don't know, to grow your audience is probably consistency. The more you do it, the the more people are going to, you know, you're going to pick up those subscribers and, and, uh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think that, that you're absolutely right. Um, so, you know, you mentioned all the different camera angles and you're getting ready to go on another trip. Like when you go out, um, I know for me, like I, I have big aspirations every time I go on a trip and I'm going to shoot all these, you know, I'm going to be expedition overland. I'm going to have the drone going and all this stuff filming. But once I get out on the trips and I'm kind of like, I just want to enjoy it. Do you get a chance to enjoy yeah. the trips or do you have to shoot video all the time? <laughs> um, well, and I, the more we talk about videos the more guilty i feel because i've I've got all those nice footage sitting on my hard drive and i need to get started on that but uh, it's i'm I'm lucky in that way because evelyn my girlfriend who we're traveling with together all the time and she's really willing to to help me in creating the videos because she she, i guess she also enjoys it but what we do we have a couple of walkie-talkies and rather than just shoot from inside the, the truck right. or have the GoPro on the windscreen or yeah, maybe a couple of drone shots following uh, drone shots following us and mm-hmm. I don't know, go past the drone or something like that. We actually do shots where one of us, because we share the drive, 
one of us actually stands in the next corner and we yeah. go like, okay, go now. And we do <laughs> shots from the outside. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously that, that, that's a lot of driving back and forth, but right. it's wor- eventually worth it because you have those angles where yeah. you can cut it together in a way that I oh, actually, you were on the road and <laughs> you, you went past places. And, right. uh, so I, I do enjoy the trip, but I, I have a big help with Evelyn because she takes half of the work off of my shoulders and, and does it. And, and probably even more like she's just like, She's even asking without, without me asking, oh, shall I get out here and then take a shot from you driving past? So that's, yeah. that helps a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm waiting for my kids to get old enough to be able to force them into that. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, last couple questions here, and then I'll, I'll let you go for dinner. But uh, does, your, does having a YouTube channel influence like where and when you go on trips? Like, do you feel like you have to get content for videos or for Instagram and that forces you out on trips or do you just kind of pick the um, and do it? I don't, I don't take trips just to take photos or just to take, uh, right. just to take uh, videos. But um, actually when I bought my FJ 40 a year ago, that's when I'm like, oh, I need to get out. It's like right. golden hour. Now I need to get out, take photos because this car is just beautiful. Yeah. This truck needs to be photographed, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that was more about the truck rather than the trip. But uh, yeah. I have so many unpublished uh, photos and so so much unedited footage of like you know videos. Yeah. I don't need to actually actively go out and and just to take videos, just to take photos, just to create yeah. content. I have a lot of stuff sitting and and getting wasted on my hard drives because <laughs> I don't have time to edit it all and show it all. Yeah, that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem. I think that question comes from a place of personal pain because so I live in Indiana, but I, I live in like a neighborhood. So like, I just feel silly, like going out and being like, here's my bumper and my winch. And there's like a minivan driving by on the road, you know? So like I, for me, I feel like I have to like get out to the forest, even to just like do a chair review. Right. Like, I'm like you know, but you know, that's, that's, a, that's something that I should be doing more. Um, a more when, so every, every movie that I've, there's only one real movie that I've done already. And there is a, those other footages that are other quickly edited uh, sort of little movies on the, uh, or little videos on my YouTube channel, which like just music and just shows where, where yeah. we're going. Uh, those are 99% only about the trip. I say only like, like it's about the trip right. and I should be doing more about, okay, I chose this tire because, and right. I've got this snorkel and the snorkel is for you know, those kind of more guide type videos, I should be doing more of that. And yeah, um, I, I'm actually committing myself here on camera that I, <laughs> I will be doing that this season. Nice. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's, you were right. You talked about like consistency and frequency, right? And I think that's 100% what YouTube is looking for, right? And, and an audience, right? So yeah, yeah. That I was trying to do big epic trips forever, and then I realized, oh, I I hardly ever even get the chance to do that. So we're talking about one, maybe two videos a year if I was doing that. Um, so that's when I was like, let's just talk about overlanding. Like I can just sit at a desk and we can have a conversation about overlanding. I can talk to other people that do it, right? It's and people have loved it. People have really responded well. So yeah, I really like that. Like obviously, a lot of your uh, videos have the same background that you have now. I really like the setup that you've done. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Is this yeah, your, uh, your, your spare room or? 
Yeah, so I, I did a little short video that shows the truth. Like, this is all a lie, right? Like, this is just my basement. Ah, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll have a look at that one. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's, uh, if you look for the one that's like how I set up my studio or something like that. Okay, I'll it, have a look. It's literally just a bed frame, like a box spring with pallet wood nailed to it. And then I put a shelf on it. And then yep. I put like a little lamp on it and wired some stuff up. But, you know, I, that's very much that like expedition overland type. So, right. Like I'm like, I'm looking at my videos in like my boring grave wall basement and I'm like, okay, I need to do something. And this, this isn't permanent. So my wife wasn't going to freak out and get mad at me. So, <laughs> yeah. But thank you. I'm glad that you, that you appreciate it and like it. No, yeah, yeah. Worth the work. Um, so final question, and it's a two-parter. What are your goals for your channels? So like it could be YouTube, Instagram, whatever. And which one is kind of your focus in the near future? Okay. Uh, well, I do think that my main project is the website and not the, not the channels, not the YouTube and yeah. not, the, not the Instagram. I've, I, I'm trying to use my YouTube channel, which is not developed at all. So that's really basic. So the YouTube channel and the Instagram to support my website. So my web, yep. the website is the main sort of asset that I'm trying to build. But what I'm trying to do with the website is to make it a, a very large database for information. Right. So gear reviews, guides, uh, how-tos, and uh, trip, trip reports. So uh, if obviously there's very good resources out there already, and I think forums are also very, very good. Sure. But if I had to say just one website, where, what's the overlanding website where you go and there's everything, everything is there. You don't need to go anywhere else. Like let's say you want to shop and you, you go on Amazon or you want to, but I'm, I'm not selling anything. So I'm not, that's, that wasn't a good idea, but let's say you want to want to read news, financial news, you go and see a or whatever. Yeah. So I want to be that hub type place where you nice. go and okay, this is about overlanding and I can spend a couple hours of here just getting lost reading all the cool stuff. Yeah, that's my goal. That's my goal with the with the website. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's super smart too. Like, it's it's a weird place nowadays. I feel like because so coming from like marketing, right? Like owned media is where you want to be. Like, I want people coming to my website, so I own the content. I can control the advertising. I can get sponsorship. I can show people numbers. But like, I we feel could like we we could probably geek down on SEO and stuff like that. Now. I'm learning. A <laughs> I'm lot not that great at SEO, but yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I understand it a little bit, right? But like. But now I just feel like like YouTube is almost like obliterated that I feel like because they control all of the monetization and they control who sees what. And so it's like, I, but I have started to recently try to be better about then going to my site and breaking it out and writing an article about what the video was about and then linking to the video. But it's hard. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's hard. I, so I respect it you is for doing hard. work. <laughs> it is. And also YouTube's got its own SEO as well. I don't right. know if you know about that. Yeah. So yeah. like, uh, obviously you have to put the tags and everything. But yeah. uh, Another thing that I didn't mention before is that now that you mentioned sponsors is something I want to write about next. And it's like a, a mini course for free, like put it on my website saying, mm -hmm. uh, or, or talking about how you, how you can actually get sponsors. If you are over, if you want to be an overlander yeah. part-time or whatever, if you want to have a nice track and you want to do take nice pictures, how do you get somebody to sponsor you? And, Cause I've done that. it. Like I, I've, I've done it a few times and, and we had lots of sponsors. Nice. Uh, and, and I just want to write down the process, how I got there and, yeah. uh, something like that. I think people would be interested in that. I would love to read that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sponsored at all right now, anybody. So if you're watching <laughs> and you want to sponsor me, let me know.
So yeah, guys, this was Ference. Ference, thanks so much for being with me. Appreciate it. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you very much. Super fun. And uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, definitely go down into the description, check out all of his channels, check out his website, which is sort of the main focus. Um, He's got a lot of great content on there. I've read through a bunch of his blogs already and they're just like how to spend more time overlanding is is great. So definitely check out all his stuff below and uh, thank you all for watching. All right guys, so that was the interview with Ferentz of overlandsite.com. Um, again, super fun, man. This guy was a ton of fun, and I appreciate him being flexible. It was about 11 o'clock my time and about 5 o'clock p.m. his time. Um, so, you know, being on opposite sides of the world makes that a little interesting, but with the virtual, you know, abilities of Zoom, it's it's pretty easy, actually. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so I appreciate him coming on. As I mentioned before, definitely go down to the description in the video or on the podcast and go check out his website, overlandsite.com. Um, he's also on Instagram and he's he's newly started a YouTube channel. So I think there's going to be more content coming there soon as well. So definitely go give him a subscribe. Definitely go check him out because, man, this guy has done some cool stuff. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye.